Everyone can make your way in and find a place that you can sit down for the message. And we're going to go ahead and get started. We've been doing a series on the Holy Spirit over the last few weeks as we've been preaching through the book of Acts. If you'll remember, in the beginning of the book of Acts, the disciples are given this mission to go out into the world and share the gospel with everyone around them. They head out to do that mission, but before they can do that mission, they have to go and receive the Holy Spirit because they couldn't complete the mission that God had put in front of them alone. So they go to the upper room, they wait for the Holy Spirit, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and when they're filled with the Holy Spirit, they're filled with boldness. And they go out and they start to do miracles, they start to preach the gospel. Then last week we learned about this guy whose name was Saul, who had such a dramatic conversion, such a dramatic change in his life that they changed his name from Saul to Paul because the change was so amazing in his life. And then we see that Barnabas goes and gets Paul and brings him to the apostles because the apostles were afraid of Paul. They didn't want to be around him because he was known for killing Christians. Barnabas brings him in and then the disciples and Barnabas head out to work on the mission together. How many of you have ever been going on a trip somewhere maybe following your GPS, and then all of a sudden your GPS says, detour ahead, recalculating route. Sometimes that can be so frustrating. One time April and I were going to a wedding, and we had like just enough time to get there, and then all of a sudden we got on this detour, and it's like, oh no, we're going to end up being late to this wedding. And it can be so frustrating when that happens. Or maybe you're a planner. I don't know, how many of you are planners here? Some of you, probably half of you, right? So some people are planners. I'm naturally less of a planner. I'm more like a go-with-the-flow kind of a person, but my life doesn't really allow that most of the time. I have to plan, and I have to keep a calendar and a schedule, and I have meetings I have to be to and stuff I have to get to on time, so I end up having to plan. But sometimes when we set up a plan, things don't go as planned. Sometimes there's interruptions in the plan. And this morning, I'm offering the possibility to you today that God is in the detours, that God is in the interruptions. God is in the didn't go as planned. God is in the I really didn't see this working out this way. God might actually be in those times. Let me keep you up to speed on where we are in the book of Acts. We're going to skip a couple chapters. So Barnabas brings Paul in. Paul gets accepted by the apostles. They go out to start doing the mission. The church is growing daily. People are being added to the church. And then Herod starts to see that the church is gaining influence and gaining power, and he doesn't want that, so he tries to stamp out the church. He actually kills James, John's brother, and then Peter gets arrested, and it looks like he's going to kill Peter as well. And the church starts praying. They start asking God to release Peter miraculously from prison. So Peter's in prison, the church is praying, And then all of a sudden an angel comes and tries to wake Peter up, but he won't wake up, so the angel hits Peter to wake him up, kind of funny. He was sleeping that soundly. Apparently he trusted the Lord a lot to be sleeping that soundly in prison. The angel hits him to wake him up. The angel says, you've got to get a disguise on, so the angel gets him dressed, and then the angel says, you've got to follow me, and they start to walk out of the prison. They walk right by the guards. Peter can't believe this is happening. He doesn't know if it's real or not. He thinks he's dreaming in the moment. They walk past the guards, they walk, the gate opens in front of them with nobody touching it, they walk out the gate, and the angel starts leading him down the street, 
They get to the end of the street, and the angel vanishes into thin air. Peter comes to his senses. He like, can't even believe that he's out of prison. And he goes to Mary's house. He gets to Mary's house where they're holding a prayer meeting to pray for his release from prison. And Mary and their friends can't even believe that it's Peter who's at the door. I mean, can you imagine being in a prayer meeting, praying for someone to be released from prison, and then all of a sudden the person comes walking up to your door? Like, it's crazy time. And then Barnabas and Paul head out on what is now considered Paul's first missionary journey. In the back of your Bible, there's a bunch of maps, and we don't really look at those maps too often, but if you look through, through those maps, you'll see that Paul's missionary journeys are plotted out on those maps oftentimes. So Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Paul now, head out on Paul's first missionary journey, and they get to the end of the, that first missionary journey, and I talked to you about this last week. Barnabas and Paul kind of got in a little bit of a disagreement over someone named John Mark. Stuff had gotten really hard, and John Mark had bailed on him, and Barnabas wanted to bring John Mark back in, but Paul was like, the stuff I got to do for God, I need people rolling with me that I can trust, and I can't trust John Mark. So John Mark and Barnabas, they head off to spread the gospel in one direction, and Paul hooks up with a guy named Silas, and Paul and Silas head out to spread the gospel in a different direction. They head towards Asia. Now that brings us up to Acts 16, and the scripture that we're going to look at this morning. Acts 16, we're going to look at verses 6 through 10. Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So here we have Paul, Timothy, and Silas. They head out on Paul's second missionary journey. This is a really interesting time in Paul's life because he wants to complete the mission that God gave him and that God gave all the disciples, but he's also learning to be submitted to the Holy Spirit. There's a few things that I see in this portion of Scripture that I think we can learn a lot from this morning, and I want to point them out to you. The first thing is that God can get you where he wants you if you're moving. God can get you where he wants you if you're moving. So many times we sit back and we kind of get confused about what God wants us to do in our life. Sometimes that confusion can lead us to not even do anything. We can just stay in the same place and not do anything. But if we can get moving forward, God can get us where he wants to get us. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking to a senior in high school, and he was kind of stressed out and frustrated trying to figure out what he was supposed to do with his life. I felt bad for him. First of all, I felt bad for him because we expect 17-year-olds to figure out what they're supposed to do with their lives and their brains aren't even done growing. Like They don't know what they want for lunch, but they're supposed to figure out what they want to do with their life. That's kind of crazy. So I felt bad for him for that, but I also felt bad because he was stressed out and felt like he didn't know what God wanted him to do. So he said to me, what do you think I should do? And I sat for a second. He goes, well, what do you think God wants me to do? I said, well, that question is kind of easy to answer. So I asked him to open his Bible, and we opened in Matthew 28. 
It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. So that's what I think God wants you to do. I think God has been crystal clear on that. God's not confused on that. This is what he wants all of us to do. And he goes, yeah, I know, but like, should I be a lawyer, or should I be a doctor, or a plumber, or an engineer? I said, well, I think that's kind of easy too. And he said, okay, well, what do I do? So whatever you want to do, whatever God put in your heart to do. If you want to design houses, then go design houses. But don't forget to make disciples of all nations while you're making houses. And don't forget to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you want to be a plumber, God bless you, then go ahead, be a plumber. But don't forget to make disciples of all nations. If we can get ourselves moving in the right direction, God can get us where he wants us to be. I'm not sure how many of you have ever driven a boat before. I'm guessing probably a decent number of you have driven a boat at one time in your life or another. But let's say you're on a body of water and you want to get to the other side and let's say there's a cabin that's your destination on the other side of that lake or whatever you're on. If you're going super slow or if you're not even moving at all, it's really, really hard to keep the front of that boat pointed in the direction you want it to go. Like it's almost impossible to keep it pointed at that cabin. Like every wave that comes around, like gets you spinning around, the littlest gust of wind, the wake off someone else's boat has you, you could be facing totally the wrong direction. But if you get that boat moving ahead with a little bit of speed, with a little bit of pace, all of a sudden it becomes very easy to point that boat where you want it to go. Your life is like that. If you're just sitting around, not going anywhere, not doing anything, it's hard for God to steer the boat of your life. But if you can get moving forward, then God can get you where he wants you to go. We see in this portion of scripture that Paul has a burning passion in his heart to share the gospel. He wants to complete the mission that he was given. And so off he goes to work on this mission. This is in Acts 16.6. It says, Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. This is a really strange scripture to me because Paul, Silas, and Timothy wanted to go preach the gospel. And they wanted to go to these various places. And every place they went to preach the gospel, the Holy Spirit told them no. Like, this is weird. Like, why in the world would the Holy Spirit tell them no to going and preaching the gospel? Like, they were already told to go preach the gospel everywhere and spread the, the gospel. But the Holy Spirit said no. And I've got to believe this was really frustrating for Paul. Paul probably felt like he had a drunken Siri giving him directions. It's like he goes over here and the Holy Spirit says no. So then he goes over here. And if you look, on it, look at it on a map, it's literally like they go like this and then back like this and then over here like this. And then over, it's like Paul's going like, where can I go to preach the gospel? Like I'm, I got this message burning in me. I know there's people in each of those cities that need to hear the gospel. There's people who are enslaved to sin but the Holy Spirit won't let him go into those places and preach the gospel. The Holy Spirit took him to Troas. What happens when God shuts down the plans that we have? 
What happens when God shuts down the plans that you have in your life? I mean, we expect a roadblock when we're going to go sin, when we're going to go do something stupid. When it's Friday night and we got plans to go do some sinning and our car doesn't start, and it's like, well, kind of expected that. Like, God shut the door on that. But what about when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you're trying to serve Him and you're trying to be faithful and you're trying to give your life to Him and then the door shuts in your life? How do you handle those situations? Paul is starting to realize something important, that it's going to take a lot more trust for him to walk out this walk of faith. He's going to have to learn to trust God on a whole new level if he's going to be able to walk out the walk of faith that he said yes to. When he said yes to God in the beginning, he knew it was going to take an amount of trust, but the amount of trust that it's going to take is a lot more than he expected. And if you talk to anybody who's walked with God for any amount of time, they'll tell you, if you're going to be able to walk out this walk of faith, it's going to take more trust in God than you realized it was going to take when you first said yes to him. When April and I had first gotten married, we had graduated from Bible school, and we were trying to figure out what we were going to do with our life. I had been hired by a church to lead worship while I was in Bible school, and I had stepped away from that right before we got married. And then we got married, and we went on our honeymoon. Uh, we went to Florida, and we were going on a cruise. And we were coming back from the cruise, and we didn't really know what we were going to do. It was, it was an adventure. It was fun, to say the least. A little scary, too, at the same time. So we went on this cruise, and then we came back to Florida, and we had a couple days before we were headed back to Lima, which is where our apartment was. So we were in, in Florida, and April's grandma lived down in uh, southwest Florida. And so April used to go visit her when she was growing up. And she went to her grandma's church sometimes and got to know the pastor there. So she said, what, we should go to this church. And we're here on Sunday, we might as well. So I said, all right. So we went to this church, and April introduced me to the pastor after the service. And he asked what we were doing with our life. And we said, well, we're not exactly sure. Like, we just graduated from Bible school. We want to serve the Lord. We don't exactly know what that's going to look like. He said, would you be interested in, in a job here at, at this church? And I said, maybe. Like, I don't know. If that's what the Lord wants us to do, we'd consider it. He said, well, go home, pray about it. I'll pray about it, and we'll, we'll get back in touch with you. I said, all right. So we came back to Lima, and we got our apartment set up and started doing life together and trying to figure out how to be married and all that stuff. And um, he called a little while later, and he said, would you be willing to fly down and interview for a job we have here at our church and meet with our elders and our leadership team? We said, sure. We still weren't totally sure. I think I was working construction at the time, and April was working at a school. So we flew down there, and we interviewed for the job, and we met with the pastor and the elders, and it seemed like a great opportunity, and we were excited about it. It was winter, up up winter time here, so of course, being in Florida seemed appealing at the time. So we're down there trying to figure, figure it out, and uh, we meet with them. Everything is good. They said, let me, he said, let me meet with my elders, and I'll give you a call. I said, okay. We came back. A week or so later, he called, and he offered us a job, and he had the details of the job, and we went over all of that. I said, give me a couple days to pray about it, and I'll let you know. April and I went to lead worship at a conference in Buffalo, and we were leading worship. We got done. It was a Friday night. We got done leading worship, and we kind of sat in the back of the uh, auditorium, and the speaker pointed me out and said, could you stand up for a second? And I said, sure. So we stood up, and she said, I had a dream last night, and you were in my dream. I saw a map of the United States. There was a tack in New York, an attack in Florida with a string running between the two tacks. God reached out with a pair of scissors, and he cut the string. He said, you're going to move, but you're not going to move as far away as you're planning to. We're like, oh my goodness. Like, 
that's kind of clear. Like, I guess we can't really argue with that. We had been praying and asking God to make it clear, and we're like, if we're supposed to be there, then make it clear, and if we're not supposed to, then, then make that clear too. So we came back home, and it, it wasn't really, it was a little frustrating because we'd already started to make plans to go to Florida, but more than frustrating, it was confusing. Like, everything seemed like it made sense. We were excited about it. We were going to move forward. The church felt like they wanted us to be there. In this situation, I feel like we got to know why God shut the door in our life. The reason he shut the door, I believe, for us to go to Florida in that situation was because he wanted us to be here was the first reason. Second of all, there was some stuff going on at the church that we didn't know about at the time, and a little while later it became apparent that God had saved us from getting involved in a mess that we really wouldn't have wanted to be involved in. And so in those times where we can see the reason why God shut the door to something in our life, it can be comforting. But there's a lot of times that God saves us and shuts a door in our life, and we don't ever know why. There's times where he shuts a door, and it's just we're left feeling confused, like, why did that happen? Kind of like Paul when he goes to this city and wants to share the gospel and the Holy Spirit says no. And he's kind of like, okay, I guess we'll go into the next city and try there. And no. And he was left a little bit confused. There are times in your life that God has shut a door that has saved your life. There are times in your life where God shut a door and it saved you from shipwreck that you didn't even know was around the corner. And you sat there sometimes, like here's a picture for you. You got a kid running towards the street. The kid is playing with a ball. He's having fun. The parent comes in, like swoops up the kid. The kid's like, what the heck? I was having fun. Like, why did you do that? And the parent's like, well, you were running for the street, and there's a car coming. You're going to be a pancake, dude. Like, and the kid starts throwing a fit. Like, I was having fun, and you stopped my fun. And the parent's like, no, I saved your life. There's been times in each of your lives that God has shut a door that has literally saved your life, has saved you from heartache, has saved you from shipwreck, and there you and I were throwing a fit, frustrated that God shut the door. Maybe we could just take a second before we go on this morning and praise the Lord for the times in our life that he shut a door that saved us, that we didn't even know what he was saving us from. Just tell him this morning, say, thank you, God, for the times that you saved me, times where I was headed for disaster and I didn't know it, I wasn't trying to ruin my life, but I was headed for trouble and you stepped in and you saved me. Times I knew I was headed for trouble and you shut the door because you saved me, because you saw value in me and you loved me. Thank you, Lord. I'll be honest and tell you, sometimes a shut door is hard for me to know what to do with in my life. It's hard for me to figure out what to do with. It's like, is this a door that I need to kick down? Do I need to get in here and fight for this thing? Because if this is something you have for me, God, I'm not afraid of a fight. I'm not afraid to work for it. I'm not afraid to push the door down to make it happen. But then other times, it's like, I don't know if that's what I'm supposed to do. If I'm supposed to fight for it, I want to fight. But I'm also a man under authority. And if I'm supposed to be sensitive to Holy Spirit in that time and walk away from that shut door, I want to do that too. But sometimes it's so hard to tell what the Lord wants us to do. Amen? I so appreciate Paul, Timothy, and Silas's sensitivity to the Holy Spirit when Paul wanted to go and he wanted to preach, but the Holy Spirit said no. I so appreciate their willingness to hear the Holy Spirit. They're learning to be led by the Holy Spirit. If you're moving forward in your life, God can get you where he wants you to be. The second thing that I want you to see this morning in this portion of Scripture is that 
A no to something from God is a yes to something better. A no to something from God is not just a no, it's always a no because he has something better for you. Paul is strategic, he's logical, he's a thinker. If there's a better way to spread the gospel, Paul would say, sign me up, like I'm all in. If there's a better way to do this thing, count me in to do it that way. But he was doing it the best way that he knew how. What he didn't realize was that God had a different plan. God had a better plan. It just so happens that Troas, the city that the Holy Spirit took Paul, Timothy, and Silas to, was a port city. There was a lot of imports and exports happening all the time. There's a lot of ships coming in and a lot of ships going out. It just so happened that the city that the Holy Spirit led them to had ships going in and out all the time, and it just so happened that the place that God was calling Paul to go, he had to get on a ship to get there. All the cities that he stopped in before that, there there weren't ports there. He couldn't have gotten on a ship. He couldn't have made it to Macedonia. But when he got to to Troas and the Holy Spirit spoke to him, he was in the place where the Holy Spirit could lead him to lead him, and he could get on a ship to get where he wanted to go. Get used to saying things like, it just so happened. Get used to saying things like it was a strange coincidence. It was a random set of events. It seemed a little odd the way that things worked out. This is the way the Lord works in our life. It wasn't just a happenstance. It wasn't just an odd set of events. This was the Lord arranging things in Paul's life. You will learn, if you can, you will learn to smile when a door gets shut in your life because you know there's something better that God has. You stop throwing a fit when God shuts the door and you start to chuckle inside. You don't know what's next, but you know that God has something for you. When I was at Elam, my junior year, it was near the end of the year, and um, a friend and I were hanging out. We were headed to chapel. And we were actually a little bit early for chapel, so we went down to check our mail, and then no one was playing at the pool table, so we decided to shoot around a pool before chapel. So we sat there, and we were playing pool, and Paul Johansson walked around the corner, and he, he gave us a hug, so then we smelt like his very musky cologne. And uh, then he said, hey, I just saw you guys while I was walking by the door, and the Holy Spirit spoke something to me, and I wanted to share it with you. So we're like, Okay. He, said, he looked at me and he pointed to my face and he said, do not buy a ring this summer. And he put his finger in my friend's face, his name was John too, and he said, do not finance a car this summer. Turned around, walked away. And we're just like left like, that was strange. Like, those were such specific things and like, I don't really know what that's about and I don't really know what to make of it. And so we ended up going to chapel and the truth is, I forgot about that thing that the Holy Spirit had spoken to me through Paul Johansson. I didn't pay enough attention to it. I didn't put enough weight on it. I should have like written it down and like covered up my speedometer with it. Well, maybe not. And like that should have been my theme for the summer, but somehow I forgot. And just like a month later, I was dating this girl. She lived down in Pennsylvania, and I moved down there to to spend time with her and to work and I did an internship I needed to do. It's for Elam. So I went down there, I did this internship, and things progressed with us throughout that summer. And in retrospect, there was a bunch of times that summer that the Holy Spirit tried to shut the door on that relationship. 
but I wasn't really listening. I wasn't really hearing that. Like, he was trying to shut the door, and I was, like, looking around for a sledgehammer and, like, okay, we're going to knock this door in. And I start hitting it. The sledgehammer wasn't working. I'm like, all right, time for a jackhammer. So I start jackhammering on the door. And meanwhile, the Holy Spirit all along is whispering like, this is not right. This is not for you. This is not time. But I wasn't hearing it. And in the end, the thing ended up blowing up and being a disaster. And it was a mess. And it was painful for me and for her. It was a disaster because I wasn't valuing what the Lord said. I didn't believe that when he said no, it was because there was something better that he had for me. I came back up here after that happened, and I was in Warsaw for a couple weeks, and I worked for a couple weeks, and then I went to Elam where I was going to be an RA, and I had to go through RA training. I was on campus, and I was walking up the hill by the, the cafeteria, and somebody beeped their car at me, and I didn't know who it was, and I turned around, I looked, I didn't recognize the car, and somebody beeped again. It's like, I'm turned around, I'm looking like, I don't know who you are. And it was my friend, John, who I was playing pool with that day. And wouldn't you know, he stepped out of a car that he financed. So here he was in his new Jetta, and he was so, super excited about his Jetta. And he was like, how was your summer? Like, we didn't have cell phones back then. Not that cell phones didn't exist, but we couldn't afford them. So we didn't have cell phones. We hadn't talked to each other all summer. And he was like, how was your summer? And I was like, dude, it was, it was crazy. Like, do you want to sit down for this? Because it was, it was nuts. So he got, got in his car, and... And I start telling him about my summer, and he's like, dude, you remember what Paul Johansson said? And I was like, no, what? He said, he told you not to buy a ring, and you spent the whole summer trying to buy a ring for this girl. And I was like, oh, my goodness, if I would have just listened. So we, we go on a little bit of time, and my friend has this car, and he's really stressed out because he's trying to pay for school, trying to pay for this car. He couldn't really afford it, and he shouldn't have been in this car. And this car turned into such a disaster in his life he had, in two months, he had had like $5,000 worth of repairs that weren't covered on, on the warranty for the car. He gets those things fixed, put that money on a credit card. Then his car leaves him stranded on the side of the road. And he's like, I don't know what to do with this thing. So he took it to a mechanic in Lima. The guy couldn't figure it out. He had to have it towed to uh, a Volkswagen dealership in Henrietta. It was sitting in the parking lot for two months while they're emailing engineers trying to figure out what's wrong with it. Finally, they tell him, we think we have to replace the whole wiring harness in the car. We have to take out the whole interior, take out most of the engine to replace the wiring harness. Like, it's going to be a, a disaster. And he's like, is it covered? And they're like, no, it's not covered. It's like, oh my goodness. So the car, during that time, there was also a period of time where for two months, he, had to have the, he was going to have to pay storage fees at, at the Volkswagen dealership. So we had it towed back to Elam. So this car is sitting in the parking lot of Elam. He can see it from his dorm room. The thing's covered in snow. It can't run. He's paying, paying the car payment every month. It was like a total disaster. In the end, he ended up selling the car back to Volkswagen at a loss, and it was such a nightmare. He almost had to drop out of Bible school because of this thing. And I remember one time him and I were sitting having coffee, and I was like, man, I wish I would have listened to that word from Paul Johansson. He's like, me too. Like That would have saved us so, so much trouble. We learned such a valuable lesson that summer and that fall that when God says no, it's not because he's trying to rob us of something good and fun. When God says no, it's because he's trying to save us from something and he has something better for us. Whenever God tells you no, you can remind yourself it's because there's something better he has for you, even if you don't understand the third thing I want us to see in this portion of Scripture 
is that God's vision is oftentimes bigger than our vision. His vision is oftentimes bigger than our vision. Paul felt like he had a pretty big vision, like he wanted to reach Asia with the gospel. But we're always limited when it comes to us coming up with a vision. We only have so much time, so much money, so much energy, so much resources, so many people that will join us in the vision. So our vision ends up being small, where God has infinite resources. He has no lack. He's got tons of people that are happy to join the team on the mission. So because of that, his vision ends up being so much bigger than ours. In this case, Paul wanted to reach Asia with the gospel. God's vision was for the gospel to go to the ends of the, war, ends of the earth. He wanted the gospel for the first time to go to Europe, to Macedonia. He wanted the gospel to go to a new continent for the first time. And he wanted Paul to be the one to take the gospel there. So here Paul is trying to figure out what to do. I was reading one commentary, and the commentary said Paul went to Macedonia on what he called a spiritual hunch. A spiritual hunch. Meaning there was no outward incredible sign to make it clear that that's what God wanted Paul to do. There was no angel who showed up and spoke and said, I want you to go here. The water didn't part and he didn't walk across dry ground to Macedonia. He had the Holy Spirit tell him no in all these other places. And then he had a dream where someone from Macedonia said, I want you to come and I want you to help us. And Paul jumped to action. I got to believe that Timothy and Silas are looking at Paul going, this is how we figure out what the will of God is in our life? Like, this is how we do it? We go to this city, Holy Spirit says no. We go to that city, the Holy Spirit says no. You had a dream last night. We're not sure if it's the Taco Bell you ate or the Holy Spirit, but now you want us to get on a ship and go to a different continent that we've never been to. We don't know anybody there. Like, this is how we do it? And Paul's like, yeah, this is exactly how we do it. And when we get to Macedonia, if we're wrong, I have enough trust and faith in God that he can still get us where he wants us to be because we're moving forward, believing we're being obedient to him. What I want you to know this morning is that in our life, there's a whole lot of times where stepping forward in faith is confusing. It's scary. We don't know if we're making the right step or the wrong step. But if we're moving forward, believing we're obedient to, to God, he is so good and he's so big that he can get you where he wants you to be even if you were wrong. Even if you picked the wrong spot. Even if Macedonia wasn't the spot, although as it turns out here it was. God could still get Paul and Timothy and Silas where he wanted them to be. If your heart is to be obedient to God, you are not going to miss where God wants you to go. The Bible says that, that Paul concluded. And that word concluded means that he put the pieces together to come to a point of decision. Almost like he pulled the pieces of the puzzle together, put it together, and could finally see what the image was, see where he was supposed to go and what he was supposed to do. I don't know about you, but I want to have concluding faith. I don't want God have to have to drag my butt to Europe, kicking and screaming because I wanted to go somewhere else because I wanted to try Australia. No, I want concluding faith that says, God, this is what I feel like you're saying, and I may be wrong, but I'm still going for it because I know that you can lead me and guide me where you want me to be. 
Don't let the frustration of a confusing no from the Holy Spirit ruin you. Let it reroute you. So many people get a confusing no from the Holy Spirit, and it like ruins them. Like Their faith just falls apart. They end up sometimes even walking away from God. In that place of confusion, don't turn your back on God. Just let him lead you to where he wants you to be. Vision can come in a lot of different forms. In this specific situation, it came in an actual vision that Paul had. It can come in that way, or it can come in a desire, or it can come in a form of being compelled to do something from God. Paul's vision had three components in it. The vision was, or the, the components were stepping out in faith, serving people, and sharing the gospel. I don't know what the vision is that God is going to give you. There's going to probably be as many different visions as there are people in the room this morning. But I do know that the vision from the Lord is probably going to have those three components in it. It's probably going to involve you stepping out, of faith, out in faith. It's probably going to involve you serving others. And it's going to involve sharing the gospel. So how do I know if this thing that I'm feeling is the Lord, if it's the enemy, if it's me, or if it's last night's Taco Bell? Like, like how do I know? How do I figure that out? Let's start with this. The devil is probably not going to tell you to be generous. He's probably not going to tell you to help other people. He's actually going to tell you the opposite in a very, very compelling way. Let's say, for example, you felt like God was telling you to give some money to someone who's in need. The devil is going to say things to you like, well, remember, we just went through a pandemic and you didn't have a very big emergency fund then, and you're working on building up your emergency fund, so maybe you shouldn't give to those people. Maybe it would be wise to not give to, to that person in need. So, well, that person got themselves in that mess. Can you really trust that person with that money? And you can't really help people that don't want to help themselves anyway. The devil will tell us things that are the opposite of what God is trying to tell us in a way that looks very compelling. On the other side of the coin, you and I don't have to meet every need that's on the face of the earth. There's a lot of needs, and every need doesn't somehow have your name attached to it. You're not the solution to everyone's problem. But if the direction you're receiving from the Lord is full of faith and it's empty of self, there's a real good chance that's the Lord trying to give you a vision for something. The scripture that I read here is a, it's a very good example of what's happening in the book of Acts. If I had to take the book of Acts and I had to boil it down to a phrase, Acts 15.28, the first half of it says, It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. This is kind of what the book of Acts is. It's the disciples learning to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. As they seek guidance, as they pray, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. And I don't think it's, it's an accident that the Holy Spirit is the first part of that equation. So many people are going through their lives doing just what seems good to them what seems logical in the moment, what seems like a good decision. But as believers, we're called to do what seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us. And I so appreciate Paul's willingness to submit himself to the Holy Spirit. 
when he was a man on mission, like trying to get this job done, but still he was more sensitive to the Holy Spirit than he was to his own desires in those moments. God can get you where he wants you if you're moving. A no to something from God is a yes to something from better. And God's vision is oftentimes bigger than ours. I don't know about you, but I want to be someone who is submitted to the Holy Spirit. I want to be someone who is sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. If you're willing, the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you in every step of your life. Would you bow your heads this morning? Maybe you're someone who you are in that place of having a confusing no from the Holy Spirit. You feel like you tried to step out and tried to, tried to do something from the Lord and you found yourself with a door shut in front of you and it's kind of thrown you for a loop and you're not even really sure what to do with it. This morning, I want to encourage you to not let that no from the Holy Spirit ruin you, but let it reroute you. Let it push you where he wants you to be. Or maybe you're someone who's here this morning and you're smart and you're logical and you're rational. And I thank God for your intelligence, but your intelligence is always going to limit where you can go and what you can do. You have been living your life on your own, just doing what makes sense. And you realize you haven't been submitted to the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. And this morning you're saying, you know what? I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. If that's you this morning, I just want you to stand up and say, Holy Spirit, I want to be someone who is led by you. Just respond to him this morning. Say, you know what? I don't want to just do what makes sense. I don't want to just do what's the next thing in front of me. I don't want to be ruined by this confusing no. But Holy Spirit, I want to be led by you. God, the vision we'll come up with, the plan we will come up with for our life will always be small compared to your plan. Your plan is so much bigger. You have unlimited resources. Lord, would you make us a people that are so sensitive to your Holy Spirit that we're not trying to kick open doors that we're not supposed to. We're not making so much noise with a jackhammer trying to get through the door that we miss you, it was you that closed the door. Make us sensitive to your Holy Spirit, Lord. I'm just going to go ahead and close the service this morning. If you have to go, that's fine. And if you want to respond and just spend some time at the altar and ask the Holy Spirit to soften your heart, that you would be able to be led by the Holy Spirit. Have a blessed week.